0: Hi, this is Father Neil here, and welcome to the March 17th episode of the podcast, Catechism with Father Neil. And today we'll be looking at numbers 541 to 553 of the Catechism. The Kingdom of God is at hand. 541. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the Gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. To carry out the will of the Father, Christ inaugurated the kingdom of heaven and earth. Now the Father's will is to raise up men to share in his own divine life. He does this by gathering men around his Son, Jesus Christ. This gathering is the church on earth the seed and beginning of the kingdom. 5.4.2 Christ stands at the heart of this gathering of men into the family of God by his word, through signs that manifest the reign of God and by sending out his disciples Jesus calls all people to come together around him but above all in the great paschal mystery his death on the cross, and his resurrection, he would accomplish the coming of his kingdom. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. Into this union with Christ, all men are called. The proclamation of the kingdom of God. Number 543. Everyone is called to enter the kingdom. First announced to the children of Israel, This messianic kingdom is is intended to accept men of all nations. To enter it, one must first accept Jesus' word. The word of the Lord is compared to a seed which is sown in a field. Those who hear it with faith are numbered among the little flock of Christ, have truly received the kingdom. Then, by its own power, The seed sprouts and grows until the harvest. Five, four, four. The kingdom belongs to the poor and lowly, which means those who have accepted it with humble hearts. Jesus is sent to preach good news to the poor. He declares them blessed, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To them, the little ones, the Father is pleased to reveal. What remains hidden from the wise and the learned. Jesus shares the life of the poor from the cradle to the cross. He experiences hunger, thirst and privation. Jesus identifies himself with the poor of every kind and makes active love toward them the the condition for entering his kingdom. 545. Jesus invites sinners to the table of the kingdom. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. He invites them to that conversion without which no one can enter the kingdom. He shows them in word and deed his father's boundless mercy for them. Joy, the vast and the vast joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. The supreme proof of his love will be the sacrifice of his own life for the forgiveness of sins. Paragraph 546 Jesus' invitation to enter his kingdom comes in the form of parables, a characteristic feature of his teaching. Through his parables, he invites people to the feast of the kingdom. But he also asks for a radical choice. To gain the kingdom, one must give everything. Words are not enough. Deeds are required. The parables are like mirrors for men. Will he be hard soil or good earth for the world? What use has he made of the talents he has received? Jesus and the presence of the kingdom in this world are secretly at the heart of this parable. One must enter the kingdom, that is, become a disciple of Christ, In order to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, for those who stay outside, everything remains enigmatic. The signs of the kingdom. Paragraph 547. Jesus accompanies his words with many mighty works and wonders and signs, which manifest that the kingdom is present in him and attest that he was the promised Messiah. 548. The signs worked by Jesus attest that the Father has sent him. They invite belief in him. Those who turn to him in faith, he grants what they ask. So miracles strengthen faith in the one who does his Father's works. They bear witness that he is the Son of God. But his miracles can also be occasions for offence. They are not intended to satisfy people's curiosity or desire for magic. Despite his evident miracles, some people reject Jesus. He is even accused of acting by the power of demons. 549. By freeing some individuals from the earthly evils of hunger, injustice, illness and death, Jesus performed messianic signs. Nevertheless, He did not come to abolish all evils here below, but to free men from the gravest slavery, sin, which thwarts them in their vocation as God's sons and causes all forms of human bondage. 5.50 The coming of God's kingdom means the defeat of Satan's. If it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus' exorcisms free some individuals from the domination of demons. They anticipate Jesus' great victory over the ruler of this world. The kingdom of God will be definitely established through Christ's cross. God reigned from the wood. The keys of the kingdom. 551 From the beginning of his public life, Jesus chose certain men, twelve in number, to be with him and to participate in his mission. He gives the twelve a share in his authority and sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal. They remain associated forever with Christ's kingdom, for through them he directs the church. As my Father appointed a kingdom for me, so I appoint for you, that you may eat and drink at my table in the kingdom, and sit on the thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. 5.5.2 Simon Peter holds the first place in this college of the twelve. Jesus entrusted a unique mission to him. Through a revelation from the Father, Peter had confessed, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Our Lord then declared to him, You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Christ. The living stone thus assures his church, built on Peter, of victory over the powers of death. Because of the faith he confessed, Peter will remain the unshakable rock of the church. His mission will be to keep this faith from every lapse and to strengthen his brothers in it. 553 Jesus entrusted a specific authority to Peter. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The power of the keys designates authority to govern the house of God which is the church. Jesus the good shepherd confirmed this mandate after his resurrection feed my sheep. The power to bind and loose connotes The authority to absolve sins, to pronounce doctrinal judgments and to make disciplinary decisions in the church. Jesus entrusted this authority to the church through the ministry of the apostles and in particular through the ministry of Peter. The only one he specifically entrusted, to whom he specifically entrusted the keys of the kingdom. Okay, very well. So we have this section today on, I suppose, the church or the kingdom of God, this kingdom that Jesus proclaims, that um, we often concentrate, and uh, rightly, we concentrate on the death and the resurrection of Jesus, what we call the paschal mystery. But the teaching of Jesus is very important as well. And the teaching of Jesus isn't just the moral dimension, the, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, but also the fact that Christ proclaims the kingdom of God. More than any moral teaching, what Jesus does is to proclaim this kingdom. And this kingdom of God is also heaven. There is an element of it that has to do with heaven. But as far as we're concerned here on earth, the kingdom of God is manifest in the church. And so here we have, in a little while, we'll have more on the church in the the catechism. But here we have um, like a foretaste of the section of the church as the place that Jesus proclaims. That Jesus proclaims, and it's like a sacramental proclamation, because by proclaiming it, he makes it present, he makes it real. But that what Jesus proclaims is the church, an invitation to mankind to enter the kingdom of God, an invitation to be close to him, to pass from this kingdom of Satan to be in the kingdom of God. This is why Christ exercises. I know also people tend to like uh, exorcisms and you get all sorts of scary movies about it and it's something that's uh, nice to talk about. But um, it's not so central to our faith. But what is true is that Christ casts out evil. That Very, very, very few people need a formal exorcism other than the ones you get at baptism. But yet each one of us needs to go to a kingdom where evil has been cast out, where the kingdom of Satan has been closed down, so that we can enter the kingdom of God, which is the kingdom of peace, which is the kingdom of well-being, which is the kingdom of being close to Christ. So today we meditate on this, the fact that Christ is close to us, and that he allows us to pass from darkness to light. Today also is the feast day of St. Patrick. St. Patrick is the great saint of the Irish, and the evangelizer of Ireland. He evangelised Ireland. He's the one that brought the Christian faith to Ireland. And when he arrived in Ireland, it was a pagan country, and there was a lot of fear and a lot of darkness. And Christ was able to proclaim something different, something new, something that had to do with light. The brightness of knowing Christ, the light of God, is how he illuminated the Irish. And this is something, again, that many of us need because many of us are also living in a world of fears, in a world of uncertainties, in a world of not knowing what comes next. And yet Christ comes with power. He comes with goodness. He comes to bring us his holiness. So very well, we'll continue tomorrow. And tomorrow we'll look at numbers 554 to 560 of the Catechism. God bless.